This podcast is intended for investment professional use only. The information in this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and should not be construed as a recommendation or investment advice. This information is not individualized and is not intended to serve as the primary or sole basis for investment decisions, as there may be other factors to consider. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thinking Outside the Portfolio. I'm Jordan Burgess, and this is our quarterly conversation on market updates with Fidelity's Klaus DeVille. Hi, Klaus. It's great to have you back. Hi, Jordan. Thank you. Klaus, it's October 20th, and since we last spoke this summer, neither the equity market nor the bond market have been acting any better. How do you evaluate the situation now? Yes, Jordan. This was, unfortunately, another really frustrating quarter from a performance perspective, and um, almost everything went down here. The only notable exception really was the US dollar, but everything else of note went down. And this is pretty much the same story for the whole year. Q1 and Q2 were not any better. And the reason for this performance is that the underlying fundamentals haven't really changed yet. The Fed is still trying to bring down inflation by slowing down the economy. And at the moment, they have really nothing to show for. Inflation is still very, very high. And the economy is still growing quite strong. And the best indicator to see what's going on with the economy is really looking at weekly jobless claims. Now, those people who file for unemployment insurance for the first time, and that gives you a real-life indicator of how strong the economy is and the job market is. And that number is still very, very low. And so at the moment, all this volatility that we are experiencing is basically a result of this problem or this uncertainty that is created that nobody knows what breaks first. Is this, is this inflation or is it the economy? The Fed is trying to break inflation without breaking the economy, but it's unclear if they can do this. So you're waiting on, on what will break first, whether it's the economy or inflation. So maybe um, let's talk about the economy first. For most people, a recession seems to be almost a foregone conclusion but you seem less sure. I am a little bit less sure, but let me first point out and say that I absolutely believe it's very possible that the economy could go into recession. Very possible might be a slightly overstatement. I think it's a little bit more likely than than a soft landing, but I think it's still a relatively close call. And I'm therefore a little bit out of consensus here um, because the consensus seemed to be sort of in the corner that this, what the Fed is doing here, it's almost a certainty that, that we go into recession. And the reason why I'm a little bit more optimistic, I guess, is that first, the underlying strengths of the U.S. labor market that I pointed out already, and the U.S. consumer is about 70% of GDP. And as long as the U.S. consumer historically has had jobs that they felt good and secure about, they normally spend and at the moment, that seems to be sort of still the case that people feel good about their jobs and are spending money. And there is sort of even some evidence here, baby, that because there is such a shortage of workers here, that companies might hold on to their people and their workers a little bit longer than usual. So that's one reason why I think we don't necessarily have to go into recession here. The second reason is that at the moment, the terminal Fed fund rate that is the rate where the market expects the Fed to stop raising rates is projected to be four and three quarters percent. So a little bit higher from here, four and three quarters. And look, I'm doing this for quite some time and never in my life have I thought to myself that 
four and three quarters is a really high interest rate. Four and three quarters is an interest rate where the economy could possibly function. And so I just my history, four and three quarters really doesn't sound that scary to me. And so that's the other reason why I think we might be okay here. Stuart, I would like to remind everybody that the Fed is trying to engineer soft landing and that I believe their track record is actually pretty good to actually get a soft landing as long as they actually wanted a soft landing. Um, there were previous cases where the Fed chairman actually wanted a recession because inflation had to come down from much, much higher levels. But I don't think this is the case here. And last but not least, and maybe that's where we should turn next, Jordan, is that I think inflation has probably in all likelihood peaked here this is September number. And that should then sort of lead to maybe a little bit of sort of relief that inflation is finally coming down, it's peaked, and it could actually come down quite quickly after that. So you do see inflation coming down at some point? Yes, I do. Uh, let me just sort of speak briefly about September. September, that's the inflation number that just came out, was again stubbornly high, but it looks like that is probably peak inflation here. And the reason for that is threefold. One, that commodity prices have come down by quite a bit. Two, supply chains have opened up. Three, there is some slowdown in the economy, at least sort of you can see it a little bit in some of the consumer spending, some of the business spendings, not at recession levels, but it has slowed down a little bit. And last but not least, and probably the biggest reason is that the comparisons are getting easier. And what I mean by this is that the inflation number for October 2021, so 12 months ago, was really, really high. And it is very, very unlikely that this year's number for October 22 is getting anywhere close to those levels. And so the comparisons are getting easier and therefore the numbers should drop. Let me just put some rough and round numbers for it. That's where we think inflation might be going. And it's sort of uh, based on the analysis that our team has been doing. And this is sort of the case for the scenario if we have flat commodity prices going forward. So the core rate in September, that is the core CPI rate, the rate without food and energy was 6.6% in September. We believe that at the end of the year, Inflation is probably coming in around six, which doesn't sound that much. But after that, sort of inflation should really drop quite significantly because by the end of June of next year, we think inflation actually could be between three and four percent. And that is then a significant reduction. And everybody could breathe much easier if we get to these levels by then. So so based on that, you know, some some data kind of framing that inflation's likely should start to slow down a little bit and kind of retreat. And your observations on the economy, what does that mean for your overall portfolio allocation at this point? So um, just go back to my, my basic thesis here, Jordan, which is that um, we will have high volatility as long as we don't know if the Fed can get inflation under control before the economy is impaired. That's sort of my thesis here, and that it's a relatively close call, recession or not. So we have a very, very high degree of uncertainty here. And I think if you have a very, very high level of uncertainty, my thinking is all, it's always, if you don't know what the future hold, you should really sort of neutralize your portfolio as much as you can, sort of reduce sort of the aggressive 
bets, if you will, but also regroups the, the bets that are sort of more defensive oriented. What that means, in my opinion, for an advisor would be to go back to the financial plans that they have created with their clients. And if those plans sort of, let's say, come out with a recommendation for a specific client of 60% equities, 40% um, fixed income, a neutral allocation would be then to go back to these neutral allocations that have been established during the financial plan. Again, we have uncertainty here. If you are uncertain about the future, you want to sort of be very much neutral here. And if you wanted to do some tilts, I think those portfolio tilts should be then done within equities and within bonds. So consistent messaging for a long time about diversification. Yeah. Neutral approach with some slight overweights or underweights. Yes. Let's get specific. What are your thoughts regarding equities? So let let me for the moment um, just go back to being neutral in equities, uh, meaning why don't you think we should maybe consider underweighing equities here. And the reason why I why I'm probably would still be leaning to be neutral here and not underweight equities is that um, it's a a lot of bad news is already priced in. That's clear that the market is pricing in a significant reduction in corporate profits already. Two, I look at some of the history here and what is quite stunning is actually that the equity market has quite a positive track record after inflation peaks. If you go back to the years, for example, of December 1970, that's when inflation peaked in the 70s. Um, There was another high inflation period around February 1975. There was one in June of 1980, uh, one in May 1984, and in February of 1991. These were all periods where inflation was very, very high. These were the months that inflation peaked. What is really interesting is that in the three, six, and 12 months after these five periods, the equity markets was actually up, knocking on wood here. And so that would lead you to believe, if again, if sort of history sort of is a guide here, is that there could be the potential here that that with inflation peaking, uh, the market might be bottoming out here as well. I also would point out that sentiment is really quite negative here as well, that everybody seemed to be very, very bearish. So the people I talk to uh, are very, very bearish. So that's why I'm ending up in neutral. And if I sort of look at then my underlying portfolio with inequities there, what I would consider is sort of overweighting the US and probably underweighting everything else international, meaning EM and developed international. And the rationale behind is that the US is still the, the strongest economy. And you also have, at least it looks to me to be very, very likely that the dollar remains to be quite strong going forward as well. So as those two factors are not probably going to change anytime soon, that the US has a stronger economy and the dollar is probably the stronger currency going forward, you probably want to underweight those international equities here. But neutral in equities overall. Yes. Um, very helpful historical context on that up front. Um, let's talk about fixed income. There are sort of three themes that I like to point out and for, for everybody's considerations here. The, the first one is that obviously in the first three quarters of this year, a 60-40 portfolio didn't really work. What I mean by this is the 40% that you had allocated to fixed income, which was supposed to cushion whatever volatility you experienced on the equity side, that did not happen. Equities went down and fixed income went down. 
I think we have reached levels now in yield with the 10-year treasury yielding uh, 4% plus here. At these levels, I would, I would have to think that a 60-40 portfolio is going to work again, that you actually get some diversification benefits from your 40 again, and that will lead you to an investment in long-term duration. Within the sort of same idea here, I also mentioned that I believe that inflation might be peaking here. That would mean that at some point, probably yields are going to peak as well. And so there might sort of be an opportunity here to actually sort of lock in some higher yielding long-term duration bonds, um, maybe sort of take a look at long-term munis here for your clients. Again, it sort of would lead you to longer duration investment grades bonds as well. So, so that is sort of probably should be the majority um, of your fixed income assets. At least that's, that's how I think about it. And that's how I would sort of encourage you to think about this as well. But that's obviously up to you. And then maybe sort of as a satellite possibility here, I, I still like floating rate notes here. They have very attractive yields. The yield is probably going to increase a little bit more as the Fed is raising rates. If you look at sort of the average price of a floating rate bond right now, it's pricing in a relatively high level level of defaults already. Our colleagues and friends at Merrimack do not think defaults will be as high as the market is pricing in, even in the case of a recession. Okay, helpful. Um, so let's maybe turn to one other asset class. Let's talk a little bit about commodities. Last time we spoke, you were pretty bullish on commodities. Are you still, are you still bullish on them? Yeah, uh, and it has been very frustrating, obviously. It, it sort of it, it didn't work on an absolute term, but it worked on a relative term. <laughs> Not that anybody can can live on relative performance. But what we obviously want to make is we want to make money in, in the asset classes that we invest in. And I, I'm still bullish on this. Let's just sort of go back to the, the original thinking behind the suggestion to look at commodities here. One is their significant long-term supply and demand imbalances. My favorite story, I don't want to bore anybody here, but let me say this again, because it's so typical of what's going on right now. We at Fidelity, we have the saying that the world loves copper, but hates copper mines. And the idea is that uh, the world loves copper because it helps us solve the global warming problems. It helps us getting out of the combustion engine into electric vehicles that have a lot less environmental problems with it. But you need four to five times as much copper for an electric vehicle over a combustion engine. So the world loves copper. But at the same time, it's the same people, they hate copper mines. None of them wants to build another copper mine because for a copper mine, you would have probably to raise a rainforest somewhere and destroy the rivers around. So what's, what's happening in, in copper and a lot of other commodities as well is that we love the product, but we do not want to invest in the supply of these resources going forward because they have environmental issues with that. We are teeing off and we are on the verge of a supply and demand problem almost everywhere. With the Russian invasion of Ukraine, these problems are becoming even more pronounced. Commodities also have been a great diversifier in high inflationary periods of time. They have been actually delivering positive returns in recessions in high inflation periods as well. So there is sort of a long-term case for commodities here. And then there is sort of a portfolio case for commodities. So that was the original thesis. That thesis, in my opinion, still holds true. 
they have been sort of going basically sideways for the last three months because the world has become a little bit concerned about sort of economic growth going forward, about the recession, and that would slow down some of the demand in commodities. And that's why commodity prices have been flatlined here. I think that is a little bit short-sighted just to look at the next couple of months and maybe couple of quarters here, because none of these supply and demand challenges that I just mentioned have been fixed. I would argue they're actually getting worse. The world is still on the verge of a global food and energy crisis caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The stocks are still very, very cheap. These are very, very profitable companies. And so I think to me that case of, of considering adding commodities, maybe so around 3 to 5% to a portfolio, that consideration still makes a lot of sense to me, A, for the long-term growth prospects there, but also um, as a portfolio diversification tool in these high inflationary periods of time. So a lot to consider across equities, fixed income, and commodities. Thanks for putting it all into context for us. As always, Klaus, thank you for your insights. And thanks to all of our listeners. I'm Jordan Burgess. Please join me for more episodes of Thinking Outside the Portfolio. Stay safe and be well. For investment professional use only, information provided in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. This information is not individualized and is not intended to serve as the primary basis or sole basis for investment decisions, as there are many other factors to consider. To the extent any investment information in this podcast is deemed to be a recommendation, it is not meant to be impartial investment advice or advice in a fiduciary capacity, and is not intended to be used as a primary basis for you or your client's investment decisions. Fidelity and its representatives may have a conflict of interest in the products or services mentioned in this material because they have a financial interest in them and receive compensation directly or indirectly in connection with the management, distribution, and or servicing of these products or services, including fidelity funds, certain third-party funds and products, and certain investment services. Information presented herein is for illustrative purposes only and is not a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Views are expressed as of October 2022 based on the information available at that time and may be changed based on market or other conditions. The opinions provided are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Fidelity does not assume any duty to update any of the information. Investment decisions should be based on an individual's own goals, time horizon, and tolerance for risk. Nothing in this content should be considered as legal or tax advice, and you are encouraged to consult your own lawyer, accountant, or other advisor before making any financial decisions. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure a profit or guarantee against loss. Stock markets, especially farm markets, are volatile and can decline significantly in response to adverse issuer, political, regulatory, market, or economic developments. Foreign securities are subject to interest rate, currency exchange rate, economic, and political risks, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. The risks are particularly significant for funds that focus on a single country or region. In general, the bond market is volatile and fixed income securities carry interest rate risk. As interest rates rise, bond prices usually fall and vice versa. This effect is usually more pronounced for longer term securities. Fixed income securities also carry inflation, credit and default risks for both issuers and counterparties. The commodities industry can be significantly affected by commodity prices, world events, import controls, worldwide competition, government regulations and economic conditions. Because of its narrow focus, sector investing tends to be more volatile than diversifying 
offering across many sectors and companies. Fidelity Institutional FI provides investment products through Fidelity Distributors Company, LLC, clearing custody or other brokerage services through National Financial Services, LLC, or Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, members NYSE, SIPC. Reference number 105. 2354.1.0.